You are listening to That'll Preach, pushing the envelope on culture and theology, bringing the controversy. We are going to wrap up our series on the seven deadly sins today. We're going to offer some final reflections. It's been a really great ride. I'm Brian Zhang. I lead the College of Ministry and Adult Education at Four Oaks Midtown, joined by Paul Rezcala pursuing his PhD in philosophy at Florida State University. The Florida State the University. The Florida State <laughs> University. We've been looking at lust. We've been looking at wrath. Not actually looking at Not lust. looking, right, exactly. <laughs> Envy, all these different vices, sins, with the hope that if we can identify them, we can deal with them in our lives, not perfectly, but with progress. Mm-hmm. And one of the big ideas is we don't just want to turn away from the bad things. We actually want to pursue the good. Right. We want to be people who are conformed into the image of Christ. We want to be people who look like Jesus. Mm. And that involves the painful process of self-examination, of looking at our motives, looking at our habits, the daily decisions, the daily grooves in our lives that motivate all of our decisions. So nobody just wakes up to commit adultery. It's a bunch of patterns and habits developed over time. Nobody Hmm. just wakes up and decides to murder somebody. Right. All right. It's, It's a bunch of habits and patterns built up over time. And so looking specifically at our patterns and habits in our lives is a very effective way of being able to apply God's word to those specific areas and to see God do something Hmm. in our lives. I think that's what should encourage us about this, that we can change, that none of us is hopeless because we have the spirit of God. That's what we have that nobody else has. That is the gift of the gospel. We're not just forgiven of our sins, but we're freed from the power of sin and our spiritual disciplines you know giving praying fasting going to church hearing the word preached coming up singing, with lists coming up with lists <laughs> right uh friendship these are all things built into our lives that the spirit uses to conform us it's mm-hmm. a bunch of extraordinary things happening in ordinary means so we don't have to be monks we don't have to do something we don't have to go to a conference every weekend it's just ordinary life. That sounds terrible. Look at your life, right? And uh, it's been quite the ride, but uh, we are heavily influenced by Rebecca DeYoung's book, Glittering Vices. You're probably mm-hmm. sick of this if you've heard our podcast. You're just going to read the book and be like, they, they just ripped it off. And we did. We did. Sue yeah. us. We don't care. We- no one's listening. No, don't <laughs> sue us. <laughs> don't Please don't sue us. But I think uh, at the epilogue of her book, she writes about reflecting on your life. Mm-hmm thinking about the day you die, which is morbid, but helpful. Yeah, yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it is morbid, but it is like- It's literally the definition of morbid. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, you don't get much more morbid than that. Literally thinking about your own death. Right. But it does offer us this opportunity for like, if you want self-examination, like this is an exercise for it. Like picture that you have died. People are at your funeral. What kind of speech? What's and they the open eulogy? Your and you're wearing a clown costume. Oh man, that is horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> that is worse than that's anyway. Oh man. Okay, go ahead. They they, they see you there. That might have been vicious right there. That was a vice of itself. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So you you're gone, but you've got like people there, and you have a eulogy. What is that eulogy going to look like? And this actually is like a really helpful exercise. I'm gonna actually do this like. After we're done with this podcast, like, what is it that if, if you're, you're taking honest, <laughs> I'm going to give you your eulogy. <laughs> Brian's going to give a eulogy just here in the podcast office. Oh man! Like, if you're just honest with yourself, what 
do you think people are going to say about you in that eulogy? What kinds of behaviors, traits, if they're being brutally honest, what are they going to remember you for? Like taking honest stock of that. And that's going to tell you a lot about like the kind of person that you really are. And that's the kind of self-examination that we've been like pushing for in this series. Like to, in order to know how to grow, we first need to figure out where our problem areas are. So you do that exercise, you figure out like what the eulogy would look like in fact at this moment, if you were to die, how are people going to think about you and remember you versus what's the eulogy that you would want read about you? What kinds of character traits would you want them to like? This is the person who selflessly up until two or three in the morning, taking people in, talking to them about their problems, constantly giving generously, volunteering, like the epitome of just overflowing generosity, self-sacrifice, not thinking twice for their own needs, like just out of second nature, um, just being super selfless. Like those, those are the kinds of things that we all would want to be remembered for. And then you take those two different eulogies and you assess the gap between where you are, where you want to be. And that gap is basically your homework for the rest of your life to try to shorten or close that gap as much as you can. I might actually give this as an assignment to my students. That's actually a really good idea. Um, but yeah, I think like in, in discovering that gap, we discover both where we are and where we want to be. And then it Paul, gives us Paul really Paul teaches practical. a kindergarten class. Can you imagine? <laughs> Kid raises his hand. What is deaf? Yeah, right. Oh, I gosh. get angry letters from parents. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, that's a really interesting exercise. And it, it'll tell you a lot about yourself and Did where you, you want to go. Did I a deep thought? No, that was it. I, I rarely have deep thoughts. You know this. That's true. I'm That's just, true. Yeah. It, it is. You think about the the the, the temp, how temporary life is and you can't, you're, you're not just going to flip a switch. And when you're young and that's the time to start to cultivate these virtues. Mm -hmm. That's the time to think about your legacy. And I think there's a, a selfish way to think about legacy, but there's also a selfless way where you think a legacy is the good that you leave behind for others. Mm -hmm. And that is something to, to think, what kind of person do you want to be? And I think that that's, there's something crystallized, crystallizes a direction for you where you're not just sort of like, well, I just want to go from pleasure to pleasure, just do whatever makes me happy. Mm -hmm. And you wonder why we're so restless. Mm. But then you think about what kind of person I want to be. And obviously that's Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. Mm. We want people to describe us in, in a Christ-like way, mm. right? That, that we embodied what he represented. And I think that this is why we have the gospels. We have the gospel narrative, right? We see, how Jesus interacted with people, how he cared for people. And, you know, it's like, this is what we're supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. Right. And I don't know if we were reflective about that. Right. Yeah. Um, seeing Jesus as the model that we follow. Mm. And it's not, you know, there's a, there's sometimes it's popular in preaching to say, you know, if you use Jesus, Jesus, it's about what Jesus has done for you, not what 
you do for Jesus. And it's like, well, okay, you're <laughs> it sounds right. Sounds like that's not about what your country can do for you. Right. Yeah. What you yeah. can do for your country. Or any kind of uh, moral example in scripture is yeah. legalism. It's mm-hmm. it's making it about being good enough for God. Well, that's not mm. true. Right. Okay, for you, no one can be good enough for God. We need grace, but mm. grace is transformative. Mm-hmm. And we are called as disciples. This, I mean, discipline is mm. molded in that word. Oh, yeah. It is what is a disciple? It's somebody who follows Jesus, not in grand pronouncements in front of people, mm-hmm. not at a massive conference with rock music, mm. not, you know, when you're trying to impress your Sunday school teacher or whatever, your parents. Mm-hmm. It is daily ordinary conforming on the most basic level of your life, your decisions and your actions and your desires mm. to the will of God, to, to what is revealed in scripture, yeah, to the example of Christ. Mm. And a lifetime of that is going to do a lot of good for a lot of people. Yeah. And that's the legacy that you want to leave. Absolutely. I mean, we are Christians because we've been justified. We've been giving, given saving grace, but in another sense, we're also becoming Christians. We're, we're becoming who we are. We're living into the people that God has called us to be. So there's this already not yet dimension to the Christian life where in one sense we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, but we're also here on earth, like working and doing podcasts and talking about Gaip and all this sort of stuff. So there is like a, there's a two dimensionality to the Christian life in that we have been pronounced righteous and now we're living into that. We're becoming sanctified. We're making every effort to add to our faith. We are putting to death the misdeeds of the body. We are crucifying the flesh daily and taking up our crosses and following Jesus. All of that is what it means to be a Christian. Um, So it's not legalism. It is the call of the Christian to die to self every single day, Um, not to earn God's love because we already have that, but it's to become better, to become more human to look more like christ to, to make our lives more excellent and beautiful and to shed ourselves of the things that are hindering us and making life miserable and imperfect and incomplete and deficient so all of these vices that we went through in the last seven uh episodes these are things that weigh us down and prevent us from being all that we are called to be in christ so shedding ourselves of these is hugely important i mean there's so many times when i've been like you know, prayer doesn't work. You know, I've been praying for 15 minutes and nothing's happened, you know, or <laughs> fasting doesn't work. I fasted one meal and nothing magical happened. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's, it's the consistent application of these things. Mm-hmm. And it's, and you've got to think in terms of months and years yep. um, to see this change happen, mm-hmm. but it takes faith and takes trust that this is how God works. Absolutely. And God will be faithful to finish that work that he starts in you. Mm-hmm. It's all a gift. It's all by grace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to your point about becoming who God declares us to be, you Mm -hmm. know, in justification, God declares us holy. In sanctification, he makes us holy. Mm -hmm. And they're connected, but they're different things. And I I think I've done a couple weddings now. And uh, what's fascinating is that I'm trying to do uh, 10 before my own wedding. (laughs) I'm going to officiate my own wedding at some point. But um, one of the interesting things is that you pronounce them husband and wife. And then you essentially send them off to live what they've been pronounced as. Mm-hmm. That before that pronouncement, they're two single people. After that pronouncement, they're one person now. Mm. They're married. They're, they physically don't change. Right. They're the same person that they were five seconds before you announced that. Mm-hmm. But in, in one sense, nothing's changed. In another sense, everything has changed. Mm-hmm. 
And now they, they view their whole identity in life no longer as a single person, but now I am a husband and now I am a wife. Right. And now the way I view myself is a whole new ball game. Mm. It's no longer about, you know, me, it's now, now this other person that I've made promises to. Mm -hmm. And then you send them off and now your whole rest of your life is living out what's already been declared about you. Mm. I think that's an analogy for the Christian life. Absolutely. And so this isn't anti-grace. This is only enabled by grace. Exactly. Again, we're adopted into God's family. And mm -hmm. this is God's school of hard knocks through trials, <laughs> right? This is how he changes us and makes us into people who That's look good. like him. Yeah. I mean, when a kid gets adopted into the family, he's going to be, he's going to adopt their language, their culture, their values. He's it, just by being around him. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what it's like when we're adopted into God's family. And so this is part of God's fatherly love for us mm. that through the work of Christ and his spirit, we're brought into his family and we're changed so that we resemble the God family, mm. right? That we look like people born of God. Yeah. And I mean, just to like do some tying together of the threads here. So we covered seven vices over the course of the last um, series we were going to call this uh, Tallahassee Vice, Tallahassee Vice, but we decided against it. I still think it's a great name, well, but um, to everyone who gets that joke, Tallahassee guy. well done. <laughs> Tallahassee guy. Uh, just to tie together some of the threads, if you didn't listen to the series, highly encourage you to go listen to it. What are you doing? What? No, Tell not me. listening to the series. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Probably like indulging in vices. Your life is impoverished. Right. Like, is it even worth it? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> is it even morbid. living at that point? Yeah. Um, I'm just going to read out this passage from Rebecca DeYoung where she, she gives an overview of the vices and encapsulates them really quick just to remind everyone of what it is that we covered. When we're afraid we don't get what we need or we worry that we won't have enough, it makes us sense to spend our energy on constant acquisition, pursuing abundance to achieve self-sufficiency. This is the vice of avarice or greed. When we're afraid that justice will not be done or that we won't get our just desserts unless we personally take charge of doling out vengeance in the way we see fit, this is the vice of wrath. When we're afraid that we will not be accepted by others, that we won't fit in or live up to others' expectations, and thus do our best to hide behind a falsely inflated reputation, this is vainglory. If you want to like quiz yourself as I'm going through these, you can quiz yourself. When we are afraid, we are not worth anything unless we are better than others. And we're afraid that we can't compete with them, so we engineer their downfall. This is envy. When we're afraid, we will always feel empty and needy, so we overfill ourselves with pleasures we can supply for ourselves. This is gluttony. When we're afraid, we are unlovable, so we use people to gratify ourselves without ever giving ourselves in return. This is lust. And when we're afraid of the effort that loving others will cost us, so we hold everyone, even God, at arm's length in indifference. This is sloth. So all of these vices have pride as their root, and they give birth to sins in our lives. So what we've been trying to do over the last seven weeks is to, to name these, to identify the patterns and the ruts in our lives that lead us towards sinful behavior, call them out by their name, and then begin to take steps to address them, not just trim the tree, at its, you know, at the uppermost branches, but to get at the actual, the massive branches and eventually take down the tree of pride in our lives as well. Um, we've done some practical strategies. We've talked about how virtue comes from the outside in, that it takes doing it, even though we don't feel like it a lot of times. 
in order for the virtue to become inculcated. That's how you build a habit. That's how you build second nature. How do you teach a child to brush their teeth when they don't want to? You push them a little bit. You have them do it. You give them, well, you wouldn't give them candy because that would be counterproductive, but you give them external influences and incentives until eventually they internalize this. Um, and the same goes for any skill or habit. The way that, you know, Michael Jordan got really good at free throws was by doing it millions of times, right? Um, if I do a three free throw and I make it in and Michael Jordan makes a free throw, it's not the same thing. His is out of second nature. He can do it with his eyes closed. He can do it with his back turned to the basket. When I do it, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at free throws, but I'm no Michael Jordan. I haven't adopted that as second nature yet. And so the goal is to not just avoid sin, but to avoid sin and have that be our second nature where it comes easily and naturally to us. And we enjoy and delight in doing the things that God wants of us. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, I guess Rebecca DeYoung said it better yeah. than both of us. <laughs> but uh, great thoughts. Mm. Uh, this concludes our series. Uh, we hope that this was helpful for you. And uh, again, if you haven't checked it out yet, Glittering Vices by Rebecca DeYoung. This is a big inspiration for us. Mm -hmm. uh, we did have some original thoughts. We did. Yeah. I mean, like we had a couple. Gype. Gype, right. Oh, Probably gosh. one other. <laughs> right. But... Uh, yeah, and we're going to uh, continue on. We're going to have another series coming up, mm -hmm. and uh, we'll let you guys know about that. But thank you guys for listening. Subscribe, leave a comment, and uh, let people know about this podcast. Thank you for listening.